0: Welcome to the AT-PhD Team Podcast episode number 87 with myself and Georgia. Hi, Georgia. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You're the only person I know that's like, I'm good. Like, whilst I sit here with a migraine, I'm good. <laughs> but good. I'm glad you're well. Um, Anna. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hello. I am also well. Thank you. How are you doing? I am fine. Thank you very much. Anyone fine. To, fine, 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 do you know what, like it's not even like a dog fire fine, which is the fire, the fine of 2020, it's generally just fine, you know when, yeah, it's fine.
1: We we have to do like a check-in and check-out when we do um, the counselling course, and it was just like, well, whatever, but when we finished today it was just a one word, and someone was like, I am whelmed. Not underwhelmed,
0: not overwhelmed, <laughs> overwhelmed. I was like, ah, yeah. I like yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh, I like that. We should use... is that an actual word? I feel like we should use that more often. I don't know. I have no idea. But I, was like, I think I'm just gonna use it all the time.
2: I love it. How are you? I'm welmed. <laughs> like, well, <yeah>, exactly. Perfect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, just that like, happy medium. I like that. Um, okay, I don't think there's any specific topics to start with today. So let's just crack on. Um um Anna do you want to go first
1: yes uh how do you start moving slash exercising from a place of love or joy when all you've known is exercising from a place of fear or force how do you start from scratch can you
0: straight in with a deep one (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm literally scratching my head there (laughs) I'm
2: like I've just done you, you want to find something that you really enjoy to start with and take the pressure away from it has to be this many days per week and this many minutes per session and think back like when was the last time that you enjoyed exercise if ever like at school my experience of exercise was like you had to play hockey and get your legs smacked you had to run orienteering until like you can breathe. And I hated that. And if that was my idea of exercise, I would never really get back into it. So I think explore a few different options. Like if you like the idea of doing something in a group setting, try a few different classes, like from pole dancing to yoga, to team sports, um, or even like classes within a gym, if you want to do like circuit classes. and if you prefer your own time and you want it to be like to yourself, then explore kind of like things in the gym that you find enjoyable. Because if you enjoy it, you're going to do it, and the more you do it, the better the results that you get. If you hate it and you think about it, it being related to dieting or things that you hated in the past, you're you're really not going to want to like throw yourself into it. You're yeah. going to be. Can I just say, they don't actually done pole fitness before. Yeah.
0: I like you, I remember you doing it. I think Georgia. It, how hard is it?
2: Yeah I couldn't open doors for a few days afterwards you use your forearm and your grip so much like if it was a handle that you push down I could use my elbow but if it was a twisting door I could get in and out of doors. That's
0: <laughs> exactly the same as me I was like what even is this
2: I had a pole in
0: my in my flat in uh, Loughborough I had a pole in the living room in my flat it said yeah I loved it, I loved it but, um yeah I mean I don't have a huge amount to add I think sometimes taking a total sit back and just like not going to the gym for a little while, doing some walking, trying some different things and and almost taking like way time out. You see this when you take a rest day, right? And sometimes you're not motivated to go to the gym and you take a deload and you know, I'm just going to take this full deload out of the gym and then you actually get excited to go back again. So sometimes it's like complete, say complete rest. I mean, complete rest from structured training and then coming back to it again. I think as well, a really good way to frame it is, like what can I do to what can I do to respect my body today rather than what do I need to do or what should I do and a lot of this is just about a lot of this is just about your internal dialogue of saying how am I framing it in my own head before I train am I saying that I need to go or I should go or I have to because it's my program or am I saying my body's not moved in like three days I remember my friend my best mate in lockdown she um She exercises completely for fun. She's got the best relationship with exercise. It's just great. And in lockdown, she messaged me one day. She said, I think I've got a hernia or something. What do you mean? She said, I've got this really bad pain in my groin. And then like two hours later, she went for, she said, she texted me again. And she said, oh, I actually feel absolutely fine now. I realized that I had pain in my body because I just hadn't actually left the house in four days because she didn't have the should, she didn't have the should in her head to move. And her body was then physically like, I'm in pain now because I haven't moved. And then then after it was like, oh, I'm choosing to move because it makes my body feel good. So it's about how you frame that internally. And it de- but it definitely, definitely can be done.
1: Mm. I think the only thing, well, similar similar to what you've said, Amelia, is how you frame it and thinking it of an act of respect, an act of compassion for your body. So asking yourself, and it might be different each day, like what's gonna feel like love? How am I showing my body love today?
0: Mm. Yeah, I read a book recently and it said, it was about thought work and things. And they were saying, whenever you're having these thoughts, a really good question to ask yourself, like, is this kind and loving? So when you have a thought, is this kind and loving, but it's the same with exercise and it's the same as food. If you think to yourself, is this kind and loving to go to the gym? probably is a lot of the time or is it kind of loving to eat vegetables yet yeah, but it's also kind of loving sometimes to eat pizza and it, it's a I guess it's just a, a compassionate question that you can ask yourself um Georgia a question
2: I do it's quite a deep one are we ready for this one yeah okay after being taught in childhood to surprise to suppress my emotions and as an adult learned to numb them. Now I'm learning to feel them and accept them. Over the past two years, I've been experiencing the exact opposite. I find myself crying about everything. For example, my dogs being cute, how beautiful the day is, all movies, books, thought pondering, compliments, etc. My question is, does it ever balance back out? I feel like the last two years I'm crying for the last 27 years worth of unidentified emotions and needs. Oh, <laughs>
0: super common. I was going to say, like, you're fine. It's good. <laughs> you're actually fine. You're diswhelmed. Um, Yeah. It, I mean, Anna, do you want to touch on this first? I mean,
1: it, it does balance out, but you're opening yourself to feeling more, so you're going to feel oh. harder anyway. Um, be that the really, really great stuff or the really shitty stuff, everything in between, you feel it more because you're no longer trying to suppress it. So yes, at the minute, it probably feels really overwhelming because you're not used to it. Um But it's just one of those things that you do get used to. I mean, we all talk about how often we cry about stupid things and some of it is wonderful, like check-ins and stuff, but it is one of those things that you're just like, oh, this is really cool because I'm not, I'm honouring how I feel right now.
0: Yeah I think as well it can feel so overwhelming because you spend you almost glorify it in your 20s or before you start figuring this stuff out you almost glorify like oh I don't cry like I just don't cry at these things and it's almost like you kind of treat it as a bit of a status symbol and so then when you do start to become this you've got this internal judgment of like oh those people all along were doing it right and it's actually me that was struggling a little bit and damn, that wasn't actually something to boast about. That was probably something that I needed to listen to, which of course you now have because you're in a much better place. So that's obviously awesome. So I think some of it comes from that internal judgment. And if you challenge that and you say, you know, being an emotional wreck is not a wreck. We are human and we're supposed to be emotional. Then it kind of takes that overwhelming feeling of it away a little bit because you just start to accept it. And one of my clients who just finished up with me, actually, she said, I just have to accept and I've just come to accept that I am just one of those emotional people now and now that I've accepted it, it's fine. And I think sometimes it's it's like that. And again, I don't know where I'm getting these quotes from, but there was something I read the other day and it was like when you stop, when you stop overeating, all of the things that you suppress come back like a tidal wave. It was it was framed far more eloquently than that it was like the feelings that you suppress come back like a tidal wave and like that's exactly it and and so it's super super normal I think I was reading it about it wasn't actually about overeating that I was reading it's just general um, psychology stuff and I think again it just helps to remember that that's completely normal and, and takes away the judgment of it but I mean yeah we cry all the time the other day I sat down to meditate and I left Emma and I was in such like I was in a good mood apart from like all the other stuff that's going on in my life. I'm still in quite a good mood. And then I sat down to meditate. I literally closed my eyes, and within about one second, I was bawling my eyes out. And then I came back and told Emma, and she was like, What? I am like, Yeah, I thought I was like legit fine, and it just fell out of my eyes. So I thought I don't know if it ever goes away. I think you just get used to it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
0: okay, it's me, isn't it? I've just I've just lost all my questions, right. This is one of Denai's questions. What does the transition look like from working on restoring a healthy relationship with food, which I feel I'm successfully in the process of doing, towards fat loss goals for health reasons, namely PCOS and making workouts easier and more enjoyable rather than for aesthetic reasons. How do you know when you're ready and won't regress back to old habits? What are the first steps you should take, especially when already doing frequent workouts and eating plenty of veggies and protein? Great question.
1: Okay, um, <laughs> <was just> that. <laughs> um, I mean the fact that you're already thinking about it um, and how to do it the best way is a really great sign because it indicates you don't want to like it is coming from a compassionate place which is what we want to see before we enter a fat loss phase if, if you're being coached um and from the sounds of it it is like you say you're thinking about your health reasons um as opposed to coming from a place of hate and want i was going to say wanting to change your body but that's okay as well <laughs> um
0: do you know do you know why i think we're all stifled is because it doesn't really look that much different from what you're doing already
1: yeah it, and this is what i try and explain um to people in that the work that we do is so fluid that you can do it even if the goal changes
0: mm absolutely that and and so it looks like pretty much everything that you're doing now but maybe when you if you're focused on eating regularly maybe actually when the time comes and you're ready for fat loss maybe you eat slightly less regularly maybe there's a little bit more time between meals or maybe those meals are not actually to feel satiation but actually to a point where you you've you're satisfied but you could probably eat a tiny little bit more but you're you're on a fat loss journey and so you stop there or maybe it looks like adding in some cardio after you've trained um, or increasing your step count a little bit. But it still looks like focusing on being present when you eat. It still looks like being compassionate towards yourself. So all of these things are still there. It's just that, for example, when you're improving your relationship with food and when you work with us on things like the hunger scale, what we normally recommend is everyone's different in terms of what their hunger, what level of hunger they feel ready to eat at. And what level of hunger they, you know, if they get beyond that point, they really struggle to feel like they're in control of their decisions. So when you're working on a relationship with food, you might say, right, you want to eat your meals roughly between like a four to a seven on the hunger scale. But maybe actually when it comes to fat loss, if you're not tracking, you say, right, actually, do you know what, you're going to let yourself get a little bit, a little bit hungrier. So rather than eating between a four and seven, you may eat between a five and an eight or something like that. So it's still a lot of the same work. It's just about basically going into a calorie deficit, whilst being mindful of how you're doing that and keeping up, like keeping on top of all of your habits or it could also look like tracking for some people so it depends on your individual situation Anna question
1: um, is it healthy to always want more for example moving from poor body image to body acceptance to then seeking body loving or is that an unrealistic and unhealthy pressure to put upon ourselves
0: why do you always want more? I would say (laughs) what, like, what is that giving you? You, it's not that it's unhealthy, right? There's a line between having goals and being goal driven and being ambitious and, and, you know, being driven. That's great. But if someone said you could no longer strive to get more and more and more and more, what would you feel like? Because what you, you want to be mindful of it, is trying to find your sense of self-worth in achievement and whether that be achievement from track from like dieting or getting hashtag body gold or hitting your macro targets completely or academically or in your career we are so in like we have it so ingrained in us that we should always be doing more and achieving more and that's great when it comes to things like your career if you value your career and that's great when it comes to relationships if you value that stuff but is it helpful in your relationship with food probably not well it's not right because what you want with a good relationship with food looks like a relationship with food and body that doesn't take over your whole life and with our clients even the clients I've worked with for like four years they're still by the end of the time we're still working together they're not preoccupied with all the work they do it's just kind of like an add-on because they're not constantly still trying to get more and more and more at some point going to be like I'm at a place of contentment and when you reach that point is where you want it to be so it's not that it's unhealthy I would just say why do you feel the need and is there a healthier outlet for you to feel like you achieve and do you equate your achievement to your worth and why is that Mm -hmm. um I'm going to ask a question of George as yours because we have it on our list from our group. Um, Okay, within the context of someone not struggling with a substance abuse issue and just wanting to lessen alcohol consumption, do you believe using mindfulness habits and eating skills with alcohol consumption is safe and practical, or because this is a substance that impairs judgment and can be addictive, that it is more helpful to have solid rules, even if restrictive, or is there room for flexibility?
1: Mm. Well, I just completed dry Jan, so. (laughs) congratulations. (laughs) I know, I'm very, very proud of myself. Um, I, from my experience, um, I would say I implemented similar things to you would around food in Mm -hmm. that, because I knew, and this is the reason I'm, if people want to do dry Jan, great, but my reasons were, I was aware that I was probably choosing to have a drink more frequently than I wanted and the reasons behind it weren't necessary mm-hmm. um so I did sit with it and things got uncomfortable and I surfed the the urge or went and did some journaling and that sort of thing like it, the same principles apply I think
0: I agree and I'm not 100 sure in terms of not 100 sure in terms of what the actual question means because I don't know if it means like, is it I don't think hold on. Is it safe and practical to use mindfulness habits and eating skills with alcohol? So I think it, it does mean what you said. I think it's absolutely safe. In terms of practicalities, like do you want to do like the mindful raising technique where you're super mindful about what you're doing with a sip of wine? If you want to do that, that's absolutely safe. I might
1: try that the first time I have.
0: Yeah, it's like wine tasting, right? Like that's yeah. that's basically wine tasting. Um I wouldn't know i just found it when i did (laughs) (laughs) um i think it's safe i think the thing is is we don't in general i don't recommend any solid rules even with we were eating donuts the other night me and emma and um i said oh there's probably trans fats in these donuts because in trans fats are the one probably the one type of food that i would say are foods that we really don't want to have they're not helpful in any way and we don't have them in the uk and europe so you don't even need to think about them, but they are in the States available in processed foods. And we were like, oh, that's interesting. And actually, to be fair, because of various health things that we've got personally going on, we're like, we're not going to actually have these donuts because they've anymore. We didn't, we've not had any more because of the trans fats. And I think, but aside from the reason I'm saying that is like, that's not, still not a solid rule. It's like, actually, do you know what? They're delicious, but they're not worth us having those types of foods. So it's still, still not a rule. And if I said, I really want that donut that was had a heart on it. I really want it before we leave. I'll go and have it. So it's just about saying, like, again, just making a choice and it's doing it from a place of, like, what's best for me. The the weekly upper limit for alcohol in terms of units for women is 14. I think for men it's 21. Um, and that's kind of in terms of health. We don't want to go beyond that. So is it wrong to say, sure, it's fine to have a couple of red glasses of red wine and practice mindfulness with it? One t- like one time no I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all um okay one of my clients advice on how to stop a lack of self-confidence and the fear of failure from you following your dreams goals and passions
2: I'd say what always comes to my mind is Amelia's voice whenever I've felt very similar in the past over the years is what's the alternative like if you don't go for it if you don't try it what what's the other option oh I find for me I can apply that to so many things and nine times out of ten I will do the hard thing that I am dragging my heels about oh I like that
0: (laughs) I don't really know you as a, a heel dragger I would never like I would never put you as a heel driver. so that's interesting um, well
2: yeah more, more of that like kind of like ah oh, I just I don't know if I can or I should like what if what if I fail and the alternative is well then you never try mm. and it always works always works on me
0: yeah but it's so true isn't it it's like when you make a choice to do one thing you make a choice not to do something else and when you make a choice like and and it's about owning that and saying Like, do you genuinely think that we all have confidence all the time do you not think that we think that we're going to fail even now if we're we're launching something new it's like oh my god what if this doesn't actually work it it might not work but how do you expect to achieve anything without a little bit of fear all the scary things not all the scary things all the things that lead to growth are scary not all scary things lead to growth so let's get that the right way around um yeah I think you just have to treat it as a sign that you're growing treat the lack of like the fear of failure as a sign that you're growing and you either follow it or you don't um and with self-confidence I think you only get confident by giving yourself the evidence that you can do something so you have to put yourself in a situation where you give yourself the evidence and even if for example you don't want right let's say Say that I was going to run like this big event. Yeah, Q, and I were going to run this big event and I had no confidence in us whatsoever. We could say, right, let's run a webinar first. Let's run like a small event first just for our friends. Then let's run this. And it's like every time we do a little thing, it's given us a bit of evidence to say, oh, that worked, that worked, that worked. Our confidence can build and build and build so that we can do the big thing. So even if you think I can't do the big thing now, is there a moderate thing that you can do that gives you a little bit of confidence? Um, that's what I would say, practically. Um,
1: Anna, question? What is the difference between normal protein powder and casein? Normal, I'm
0: assuming you mean whey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. <laughs> Not you, but like, yeah. Um, they're slightly different. They've got different amino acid profiles. So whey has got more leucine in it. And leucine is the main amino acid responsible for kind of switching on muscle protein synthesis, which is what we require for hypertrophy and strength. So um, whey is a complete, has a complete amino acid profile. It's also fast digesting and casein is slower digesting. So old school t- train of thoughts for that casein, you, you would want casein like as a slow release overnight because you're not eating overnight. And then we. That was what i my meal plan. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and do you know what? To be fair, when I was competing, I did do like a mix sometimes of whey and casein or The problem with casein is because it's got less leucine, less, less potentially less optimum. Um, and also, when Look you add. the bodybuilder's that please? <laughs> oh, disaster. But also, casein in general, unless you mix it with yogurt, is pretty rank, Like when you mix it, it turns to like dusty mush, it's hideous. Oh, um, so really, that's the difference. Like the digestibility, whey is faster digesting and whey has more leucine in it. I generally would always just recommend having whey protein. Casein is fine if you enjoy it. Like there's one that mixes really well with yogurt and it turns to ice cream. I think it's optimal Nutrition's vanilla one. And if you mix it with Greek yogurt, which is great because if you mix it with dairy, dairy is a complete protein source and it has a solid amount of leucine in it. So if you mix that with casein, then that's a really good overnight snack, so to speak, because you get the switch on of muscle protein synthesis and then you get the slow release overnight. But I mean, for and it tastes like ice cream, that one specifically. But again, does that matter for 99.9% of people? No, but if you want to do it, then great. <laughs> um, i add that to my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, George, I'm asking another one of your questions again that I have here. Thank you. <laughs> I know I'm um, Apple and peanut butter. Mm, a delicious snack that I really enjoy. Is this the fatty thing that I should avoid? I'm asking because I used to have it as part of the Joe Wicks plan and associate it as diety, but I did really enjoy it and it helps me eat more fruit. I don't eat apples now at all.
1: If you enjoy it, then go ahead and eat it. There's no reason not to. It's not a fad. It's a really In my opinion a really tasty snack and like you said it's a good way of getting fruit and who doesn't love peanut butter so
2: Mm, exactly when we were talking about this um i asked her if it was something she'd come across like a snack that she discovered and it hadn't been part of a diet plan in the past would she still have the same apprehension like in terms of including it now and then she realized that it was the association of having had it as part of a diet plan that had made her feel a bit fearful of including it now. And she's working really, really hard to move away from like diet culture and the, the thoughts and behaviors that she had involved with that. Um, and has since been eating apples and peanut butter quite regularly and thoroughly enjoying it, which is really good to know. Mm. Oh, it's so good. It is a good choice. Really crispy apples that like crunch when you dip it in.
0: Ugh. Pink lady. I think a pink lady with almond butter is... <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay. Becca's question. How to overcome resty guilt? I'm just going to go in. Yeah. Um, genuinely, the, the, the only piece of advice I really give here is... Treat it like active. Treat rest as an active process. And I don't mean by doing something active. I mean by saying, if you continue without taking a rest day, what's going to happen is your training is going to reduce. Your performance is going to reduce. You're going to get less in your training. You're going to get hurt. And you're going to end up spending tons of time out of training. Or ill. And then taking time out of training. Or you take one rest day as a form of active recovery. Again, not actually doing active things, although you might go for a walk or whatever. But it's a necessary part like you cannot treat your body like something that's just going to keep going and going and going and going and never going and and never going to break or stop it just doesn't work like that in terms of body respect it doesn't work like that but in terms of actual physiology your body like it's like sleep right you wouldn't just say how do i overcome the guilt of sleeping you know, well sleeping is really important for all of these things rest is exactly the same it's the same as rest from work it's the same as rest from the gym rest from a person like it's in order to like imagine you're around someone 24 7 all the time how do you think that you would treat them and how do you think they would treat you or if you just said you know what i'm going to go and take today off myself and then come back how are you going to treat them then it's the same sort of thing
2: i think the only thing i would add to that is um not to assume it's an HA client, but I know Becca works with lots of um, clients who do have HA, that some of the HA clients I've worked with have found it really helpful to reframe the way that they think about that. So rather than like, oh, I'm removing a training day and I'm losing out on that, to flip it around and say, I'm choosing to include additional rest. And actually you're giving yourself something rather than taking something away. And sometimes just flipping it that way around, as in like, we do it with diet don't we like inclusivity of like what am i taking away no no no. like what am i including what am i adding and that can be a really helpful way to frame that because you're not removing training you're including extra rest and recovery which you know is going to be beneficial
0: that was a great answer in my personal opinion not that that
2: matters And um, okay Anna, question
1: any suggestions for gaining confidence in a new body shape and how to find clothes that fit without the anxiety and emotions which occur when shopping and trying clothes on?
0: I think taking a bit of a beginner's mind with it, I think if I went shopping now and try to wear the same clothes that I wore when I was a lot slimmer than I am I didn't have muscle, I I would feel uncomfortable because nothing would fit me properly. It's like when you go through the phase of realising that jeans in general don't fit you when you start weightlifting, in general. And it can be a bit of a mind game because even though you know you're doing what's right for your health or what you want for your body, whatever that may be, if things are changing, clothes are like a really reminder that things are changing and it can be quite triggering. So going into the supermarket with a bit of a beginner's mind of supermarket, I say supermarket, Because it, whenever we go to mega here, Emma's like, I'm going to buy a mega sports brand. And she wears all these little sports bras from the summer. Um And they look great. Um, yeah, When you go to the shops, take a beginner's mind and don't say, oh, I would normally go for X, Y, or Z. Say, oh, I like the look of that. I've got absolutely no idea if that's going to suit me or not. But let's just try it because I like the look of it. And pick up a couple of different sizes. Don't look at the size when you put them on. Just... Think oh that one probably is probably about the right size let's just try this one and it's something I've never worn before, and get curious rather than trying to do what you've always done before. I think that's quite helpful. I know, I know for me, I know for me that like I've gone through a bit of a haul with my clothes of like all the stuff even that I wore last year. The style doesn't suit me anymore because my body's changed quite a bit and that it's not right. And the only time that I'm like oh do really like that picture I don't really like that it's because I'm trying I'm wearing stuff that I would have worn before that doesn't suit who what I look like now and that's fine and I think accepting that these things change is really important um yeah that's all I have on that
1: yeah I don't I don't have anything to add like you said just going in and having some fun with it like you said looking for the clothes that just look nice regardless of whether it's what you'd normally pick and pay no attention to clothes sizes because we know that they're absolute nonsense.
0: Yeah. Mm. So
2: one, oh sorry. I so say one thing that I find really helpful. It um I'm actually really terrible when it comes to clothes shopping as in I walk in I'm like Ugh, nothing here and I'll walk out but I have two people that are great for shopping with um my sister and one of my friends and they don't think about sizes they don't think about like they just look at me and they're kind of like oh this color will look good on you oh try this style and it's stuff that I would never pick up and I, I you know it's like in your hand in the queue and you're like Ugh, fine I'll try it and nine times out of 10, it's, it, I'm like, oh my God, like I should take you shopping more. Like, why don't I do this? Because they'll find things that you wouldn't think of for yourself. And they'll pick up three or four sizes. Cause like I said, they don't care what size I am. They're just like, we'll try a few on and see which one fits you. And having that approach can be really helpful. So if you have someone that loves shopping, um, you know, I'd, I'd say take them with you. Cause they're going to help keep you in having some perspective but also they might really encourage you to try something that that you might not pick for yourself usually and you never know what treasures you're going to find so like you said just be open to to trying completely different things to usual.
0: Do you want to send them my way? <laughs> yeah
2: she's so good honestly. <laughs> um,
0: Anna wasn't you that mentioned that delivery service where yeah. order clothes? because one of my so you what was it called do you remember? So there's a couple that I've
1: tried one was One was Stitch Fix and one was Thread. And you put in, right, the types of clothes that you like. You put in kind of your rough body shape. And then uh, each week they send, like, just ideas of outfits. And you can either buy them then and there, try them and obviously send them back or keep them or just take the the style advice and go out and shop for yourself.
0: Yeah, because I... When you mentioned it, I was like, well, "That's a good cool idea," but I didn't think of it. One of my clients actually did it, and she loved it. And she, I think, she kept pretty much everything. I don't know if it was the same thing, but it was one of those things. And she said she mm-hmm. was someone else that doesn't like shopping and has the same sort of had the same sort of viewpoint. She did. It was fun- fantastic. Um, okay, is it me? I just asked George's question, didn't I? No, it's you, Georgia. Georgia's question. Okay, I wanna? Um, Full body hit workouts, do these class as resistance training. I know the scientific benefits of lifting weights to women's health, but there's something about lifting actual weights I find difficult.
2: I mean, lifting weights is difficult, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd get curious about why you find find them difficult in the sense of, is it difficult because it's just hard to lift heavy weights because like that's sort of the point and it's a great analogy for life that you only grow through what you go through and all the other cliches that we can think of um but or is it because actually that you have like you've got a lot more time to think because you're not super super immersed in what you're doing but you've got time for rest and you, and you actually have to be with your thoughts and you get frustrated when you have to slow down is that the issue so figure out why that is you can also, if, if, you, if it's the immersion thing that you enjoy, that you can lift weights but do supersets and stuff. So you, that's not ideal for hypertrophy, but it's great for health. So maybe you do that so that you're, again, a little bit more immersed, but you're still getting the benefits of resistance training because no, it is is not the same as resistance training. It's great for things like insulin sensitivity. Um, so include it if you want. And it's also decent for things like aerobic fitness, the 2 max, if you're doing it properly but it's not the same. And you will not get muscle mass, like increases, potentially not even muscle mass maintenance from HIIT. So if you imagine doing HIIT on a spin bike, your upper body is getting no s- specific stimulation there. And muscle is so important for metabolic health. It's our primary storage within the body for things like carbohydrates. If you don't have that, it's not great for your health in general. And um, that's where we get a lot of things like glucose clearance from the blood. Glucose in the blood is totally healthy. But if it's if it becomes impaired, that's when we get things like type two diabetes or insulin resistance. Um, it's, muscle mass is directly correlated with mortality. It's super, super, super important. Think about it as you get older as well, when your estrogen levels change, when you go through menopause, muscle mass maintenance becomes a lot more difficult. Certainly not impossible, but it does become more difficult. And then you are at risk of increased frailty, frailty, when you're older, falls, etc. And again, huge cause of injury, illness, and mortality in older people. Um, so I don't think there's ever going to be a time that I say resistance training is not important ever. And obviously, we talk a lot about enjoying training and how important it is, and of course it is, but there's always a way to get resistance training in, even if it's a couple of times a week, super sets in and out knowing that you're doing it for respect of your health um, or you go to even like a body pump class, anything. Ideally, you want to be progressing with your weights, but you can, I mean, technically, you can still do that in a body pump class as long as you remember what you lifted. I remember going to
1: a body pump class, assume, like I'd never been, assuming it'd be like, well, I normally shoulder press this and then dying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're so hard, aren't they?
1: Honestly, I don't know how people do it. But I think, like you said, it's just finding what's going to be... Like if you can find what the why you're feeling that way about weight training full stop, that's obviously going to be really helpful. But exploring different ways of doing it, like if you've only ever experienced like five-day body part training, well, drop it down to two or three full body and keep the sessions I mean, I know Emma's a prime example. She she's often says she only does like 20, 30 minutes. Is that right?
0: Yeah, we do have our sessions when we're here. Yeah. Sometimes. Like,
1: Take away the shoulds and obviously people post about their 90-minute sessions. No, do what's gonna be most beneficial for you. You can still get the same health benefits from it from just doing short, sharp sessions, from doing it however you however you like, splitting it up however you like.
0: Yeah. If I told Emma to do three sets of 10 on RDLs and then take a few minutes off and then do three sets of 10 on split squat she'd be like absolutely not so I'll do two exercises I'll do like a typical day would be like I'd go in and do it's like seated abduction I'd do RDLs like three sets of ten three sets of ten Bulgarian split squats and in that time she's done pull-ups unweighted lunges press-ups some chest press, and all these other things because of the way that she trains whereas I'm like I'll just go in and do like an extra session in the week for half an hour rather than trying to cram it all in so it's yeah like you said it's very much personal preference.
2: Yeah it's definitely finding what works for you I can answer the first part of the question for both of you when you said like what's holding you back is that back when she got married she had a PT and the phrase was like shredding for the wedding and she would vomit in most of her sessions so we discussed this because if I was vomiting in most of my sessions I really wouldn't want to be going back to lifting weights either and that's quite extreme that that training isn't what we would expect from a, a normal session. Um, and we've gone exactly that way. We've gone for supersets, sets, um, 20 to 30 minutes, twice a week, getting the resistance training in, um, cause that fits around the fact that she's working full time. She's got kids, um, she's got netball and all kinds of things going on. So we've taken an approach that is actually meeting her where she is right now and for what she needs and just including it um, as an opportunity to, to find some some enjoyment again, where you're not vomiting in every session.
0: And <laughs> um, that's good. Um, okay, can you improve at an exercise without doing it for a while, but working on other exercises Does that support it? For example, if you don't do pull-ups but do other back exercises, could you still get better at pull-ups, or do you have to practice that specific exercise in order to get better? Oh,
1: that's a good one. Um, you yeah. can, yeah you can if you're doing like you said if you're doing other exercises that are still stimulating the muscle and you're seeing progress there Like right, initially maybe when you jump straight back into we'll take pull-ups for an example they might feel really odd just because you're not used to them but once you've had a few sessions doing them again you'll, you'll often see progress
0: yeah yeah exactly you could do pull-ups then do two month two training blocks of lat pull ends and other things inverted rows my clients her, love those i'm not on them in ages but they are great and then come back to pull-ups and yeah like you said after a few weeks of working on the movement pattern again like it's still you're still building strength in similar muscle groups I and mean, those muscle groups are required for for example for pull-ups
1: um okay and a question how do you keep yourself motivated when you're exhausted sleep <laughs> no
0: that's really a little like try and sleep where you can of course try and sleep where you can try and rest where you can even if you can't sleep can you take five minutes just to go breathe rest recover and then crack on um what was it how do you stay motivated Mm. sometimes you're not going to be motivated I think letting go of that of saying I'm not always motivated to go to the gym but it's my non-negotiable so I'll just do it anyway because it makes me feel good and I think trying to let go of the expectation that you're always going to be driven to do everything, even if it's stuff that you normally love and stuff you're normally really motivated for, sometimes you won't be And letting go of that need to be motivated to do things is important.
2: I think also remembering that you don't want to be comparing yourself to other people. I think sometimes I've seen it in clients a lot where they um may compare what they perceive like my motivation or someone else's motivation to be with themselves and it's like well we actually all experience that same lack of motivation sometimes like just because we work in fitness we're not like more motivated than other people it's just that we're maybe more likely to do stuff when we're not motivated when other people might rely more on motivation um i think that's that's really good to remember like people people aren't just like highly motivated to be in the gym all the time like we just do it anyway
0: What do you think the reason for that is? Like, why do you think, what do you think the reason is that maybe we're more likely to do it even when we're not motivated? Do you think it's because we we are more aware of the benefits of it or do you think it's because we feel like we should? What do you think the reason is?
2: I, I think it's probably multifaceted, like we're more aware of the benefits long-term. We're not focusing on body image um, in terms of wanting to look a specific way or feel a specific way. Um, for me, it's definitely health-driven, like for my current health issues and for my health later in life as well. But that definitely wasn't my original motivation, but I was less... Um, consistent when my motivation was be smaller be thinner now that it's like try not to die as you get older i'm far more consistent in my training <laughs> yeah what would you say what would you guys say i i agree
0: but i think you just hit on a, a key point of like it's because it's in line with you know what your value right and it's because like that's so in line with your values you, i know for you i know you enough to know that health is one of your core values and it's like that obviously fits in with that so it's so much easier to be motivated to do something or to do something even when you're not motivated when it's aligned with what you know to be important to you and so when it's things like it's again there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with training for aesthetics at all but if you think that you value aesthetics you have to kind of think about say you think you value fat loss I did post on this the other day like fat loss is not a value a value is something that you can't achieve it's something that drives your goals and your goals are things that you achieve so if you are training because you kind of don't really understand your values and you think it's because you value fat loss you are relying much more on motivation because you don't have that inherent drive to do it that you do if you know this aligns with this action and the same would be for example if it was to do with fat loss and actually fat loss was important for your health because you were trying to improve your fertility then and again this might be because your doctor has you've spoken to your doctor about this um then you would probably be more likely to go to the gym when you're not motivated because you go oh that's really important for what's important to me which is starting a family or something like that so i think you've kind of hit on a really good point there and anna what were you going to say before i rudely interrupted
1: no 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 um i think (laughs) it's a bit uh, well this they completely go against each other i was going to say some So obviously like what georgia touched on in that often I think I speak for all of us, we're thinking long-term health, but that can feel insanely overwhelming as well. Mm -hmm. So it comes back to those compassionate questions. Okay, well, what am I gonna thank myself for doing this time next month? And just breaking it down into smaller processes. What do you need to do to achieve that? Rather than, oh my God, I've got so far to go. It just all feels too much, I'm not gonna do
0: it. Yeah, yep. Okay, Um, Steph's question. How do you deal with friends and family wanting to celebrate something with food or alcohol when you don't really want to? I still want to make them feel like I'm celebrating with them.
1: Celebrate with them in person. You don't. <laughs> if you don't want to, you don't have to. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's going to judge you. Um, that's often just a projection of your own thoughts and worries.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. I think um, question why you don't want to. Is it because actually you think that when you go and celebrate with food that you're going to they're going to have certain foods that you still deem as bad? In which case, that's something to work on. You want to work on like your food neutrality. Is it because you think that when you have a bit of pizza with your family, you're not going to be able to stop? Then that's something you need to work on. The problem is not that your family and friends and I'm not where sure you but the problem is not that your family and friends want to celebrate with food and alcohol. The problem is that you don't trust yourself in that situation. Or you don't know how to communicate your boundaries in line with what's important to you. And you're putting their comfort of you eating with them above what's important to you. So think about why it is you don't want to and then work on that as opposed to trying to change any of the external stuff, i.e. the fact that they like to do that stuff. Again, I'm certainly not saying that's what you're trying to do, but figure out what it is that's stopping you in the first place. Um, anna uh
1: yes how do you find your what's and why's in life that are authentic enough to make you happy but also in service of something greater than yourself i'm struggling to find a reason slash goal that drives me to get out of bed in the morning that pushes me to do this work i don't know what i want or why i want it or why i even deserve to have it
0: Um, okay, there's a couple of things here. I want to do this question justice. You not deserving something is, is sort of a separate thing to this question. What is your driver from think, you thinking that you're unworthy of anything? And that's a, self, that's a self-worth thing. And that is your driver for doing this work in the first place. Because so a lot of the work that we do with our clients is supporting their feelings of self-worth, where those, that sense of self-worth comes from in the first place or lack of, and then how can we build on that? So that's your driver for doing this work is improving your self-worth. The, the other side of it is I commend you for thinking about how this work relates to how you can support other people. That's incredible. And I think that we have such a tendency to, especially with the work that we do, for sometimes to get so introspective and so self-aware that it almost sometimes becomes self-indulgent. And there's definitely a line. So what's incredible is that you haven't fallen into that narrative of this is only about me, because that's not helpful either. But think about who is important to you and what's important to you. If you're unsure of how to set your values, I've definitely got a post on it somewhere, but think about like, set your, figure out what your values are and list them. Like, What's important to you. So remember what I just said that, you know, values are like a compass that direct the actions that you take. Google like list of core values and you'll get tons of values that come up as examples and and work your way through them and think, is this what's important to me? And it will feel authentic when your actions are aligning with that it will feel like the right thing and what we call like you'll experience congruence when your actions are aligned with your values but you're not going to find that if you don't know what's important to you and most of the time people come to us and don't know what's important to them. they think they they do but they're not necessarily sure because they've picked these things up from other people society parents friends etc what they think they should what should be important whereas what's like actually genuinely important to them so figure that out And then if, if, for example, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not legacy, but um, acts of service or something. I can't think of the right value. But if helping other people is what's of value to you or supporting other people, think, well, how does this work allow me to be more for other people? So for example, for me, if I went to therapy and I was not motivated to go to therapy, but one one, one of my core values is my career and one of my core values is helping other people. So it's like, I cannot expect to show up for other people, support you guys as coaches, support clients. If I don't have my shit together, like I can't. So that is my motivation, or would be in that situation. That would be my motivation to coach therapy, to do the work on myself so that I could be the best for everyone else. And so you need to, like, it, again, it comes down to values that's the key and then thinking oh well, how does this align to what's important to me and it might be a, it might be a link that you've never thought of before but that's why writing and journaling can be so helpful and i'm sure anna you'll have some sort of journal prompts on figuring out your values i've almost put money on I've got it values i've got purpose i'm,
2: there
0: I'm we go. here <laughs> i'm here <laughs> there we go so like if you've not seen them then look at anna's and um, journaling prompts on her instagram page um Okay I think we'll hold it there. Uh, great questions today. And we've got plenty more so we will do another question one again since this week one week we're going to have two questions podcasts because we've got so many to work through. So thanks everyone keep them coming and thank you both very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.